invite you guys to take a seat. And it is great to have you here. If uh, you haven't been to HO or you're newer, my name is Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are really excited to continue on with our, our summer series today. But before we do that, one of the things that we talk about a lot around here at H2O is the network of churches that we're a part of that actually, by God's grace, we started here uh, 10 years ago in Bowling Green. And if you've been with us during the school year, oftentimes uh, we'll say we want to welcome H2O Akron, who's joining us via video, because H2O Akron is one of our most recent church plants, and it's also a venue of the, the church here at Bowling Green. And so today we have uh, the lead pastor at H2O Akron, Chad Frank, who's here, and we wanted to invite him up on stage just to give a quick uh, update as to all that God's doing. So Chad is an alumni of BGSU and also of H2O here. He went to our first church plant when we started the network, H2O Kent, and then uh, helped uh, launch and plant H2O Akron just a couple years ago. So I'll hand it over to you, Chad. Great. Yeah, thanks again. Yeah, I was a student here got saved here, actually through H2O, and then went on staff here in 2002-ish. And then, yeah, 2008, when the H2O Church Network started, sent to uh, H2O Kent, and then by God's grace, uh, Lord blessed that enough where I was freed up to come back and hang out with this guy a little bit, and in 2015 to start H2O Akron. And so we're not quite three years old, but we're, we're approaching that. And God's done a lot of cool things in three years. We've grown from five to 75. We've seen 11 baptisms. And what's most encouraging to me is, is the stories. And the best story that I at least want to share relevant to today is a guy named David. David, I met the very first day we were on campus. The very first day that we were officially a student group on campus, I met David Hench. And he came up to me and he says, hey, my name is David Hench, and I just wanted to tell, I want to tell you my story. I just became a Christian recently, and even more recently, I felt like God was calling me to become a pastor one day, but for some reason led me to come to the University of Akron's campus. And I was like, well, David, let me tell you the story of the H-Show um, Church Network. <laughs> and I began to unpack what, what God was doing in, in this, this area, the Midwest, uh, through the H-Show Church Network. And he became so enamored by that that he just kind of put our, our, um, us on his shoulders and carried us through those initial uh, weeks, months, and years of church planning at Akron. And just two months ago, David Hench finished his support raising. So he's now officially a full-time um, staff member with H-Show. And we're just ecstatic. He's just one story of what God's doing there. And if you have any questions, I'd love to tell you more stories. Um, but with all that said, we just want to thank you guys. Without you guys, through your prayers, through your, your resources, through your support, um, we couldn't be doing H2O Akron. So we're just thrilled um, to be partnering with you guys and reaching out to tomorrow's leaders at Akron's campus. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, Chad. Um, yeah, we love to, to send people out and plant churches. And even this summer, we talk about this a lot, but we have a pastors and training program where we're hopefully raising up uh, future pastors to plant more H2Os. And, and the summer is a great chance to give opportunities to those guys that are going to eventually be uh, pastors or church planters to come up and share. And to, so today we have Joe Calliger, who's going to be sharing with us again. He is one of our pastors in training, awesome man of God who's truly following the Lord, and we're really excited about that. So while Joe's coming up on stage, I want to invite you to stand up and say hi to somebody around you while he's getting up here and getting settled in. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Yeah, super excited to have you here um, today with us. Um, 
Like Brian said, uh, if you don't know me, if you're new, my name's Joe. I'm on staff with H2O. Really pumped uh, to be here with you today. So um, we're continuing. We're in a summer series right now called Upside Down. And the goal of this series is we're hearing from uh, different speakers throughout the summer who are sharing with you about things that have turned their world upside down and affected and changed their lives, the messages of Jesus and how that has turned all of our worlds upside down. And today, I'm going to share with you a story that has changed my world upside down. Um, It comes from Luke chapter 8, and it's uh, this parable uh, of Jesus called the parable of the sower. And um, a parable, just if you don't know what that word means, basically just means a life lesson. And so Jesus would share a story and a life lesson. And the principles of this parable have really turned my world upside down, as, as you'll hear in my story um, this morning too. And um, the key part of this parable is learning how to hear from God and respond to him, how to listen to God. And I think when I think about listening, I think about this story um, when I was um, in college still and I was driving home. I had um, a, new, a new car. Well, it was a clunker car. It was a first car. It was a 2004 Hyundai Sonata, and it was, it was a mess. It was a real clunker of a car. And I was driving home, and I was pulling in my parents' driveway, and my dad came out to see me, and he said, um, Joe, have you listened to your car? And I was like, oh, dang it, what is wrong with it now? <laughs> um, and so I said, no, I haven't been listening to I don't know what's wrong with it. And he was like, well, let's you know, get the hood up. Let's look at the oil. And he started doing all that stuff. And um, my dad that day taught me a lesson that I'll never forget. And what he said to me was this. He said, Joe, there's two things you need to listen to in your life, your car and your woman. <laughs> and then so in response, I said, well, dad, which one should I listen to more? And he said, whichever one's louder. (laughs) And so uh, me and my wife, Sammy, we're going on one year of marriage this week. Uh, Just super excited. Hopefully I'm getting better at the listening to Kari and you on. Good. Thumbs up. Awesome. Great. Um, But yeah, uh, when we think about listening and we think about our world, it is harder than ever, I feel like, to really listen, right? We're surrounded by entertainment, technology, you know, Netflix, Hulu, we're just filling our minds constantly with entertainment. So much so, we can't even go to the bathroom in peace without making sure we have our phone with us, right? Am I the only one that does that? Okay, I feel alone here. Uh, but, <laughs> but we feel every moment of our day, we have to fill it with something. And along with that, too, it just seems like people aren't listening to each other today. You know, I mean, if you watch the news or you check Facebook, it just seems like Nonstop, people are just shouting at each other, but not really listening to each other. And that's sad. We don't under, fully understand the cost of not listening. You know, um, the other day, speaking of listening um, to my wife, a couple, or it was a couple weeks ago, actually, we were sitting down to dinner, and we were having a conversation. At one point in the conversation, I said, honey, tell me about your day. And she said, I already told you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Anyone else been in that spot where you weren't quite listening when someone was sharing with you? It, it's, it's, it's a big deal. We need to be attentive and listening. It takes discipline. In fact, not listening can cost you a lot. It can cost you relationships. It can cost you friendships. 
cost you your job, and other things as well. In fact, I, I'm a big sports fan, and um, I came across this documentary a few years ago. It was about the Fab Five with Michigan, and um, one of their players on Michigan's basketball team didn't listen, and it cost their team the championship. So we're going to see a clip from this documentary about this event, so put that up. It was reiterated. It was noted and established and discussed that we didn't have any timeouts. It was very clear. You tell them there's no timeouts, but who knows where their minds are. There was just this, this dull roar. You couldn't hear yourself think. And I was standing at the edge of the timeout, and I could hardly hear what Fisher was saying. So unless you know, you're three feet away, you weren't going to hear a thing. Michigan forces the turnover. And Jim, we've got to be thinking this Michigan team, out of their last eight games, four of them went overtime. Do you think it could happen again? Three to tie. Got it. Oh, it sure looked good. Weber underneath. One point game. North Carolina by one. Down one point, Michigan was forced to foul, sending North Carolina to the line with 20 seconds remaining. Remember, the Wolverines are out of timeout, so they cannot ice him. Matt Sullivan, the junior from Bogota, New Jersey, at the foul line. 20 seconds left to play. Chris gets the rebound, turns, and looks for Jalen for the outlet. Chris travels, but they don't call it. Michigan have to bring it. Oh, he walked! He walked and the referee missed it! Instead of going straight up the floor, he was veering towards our bench. Weber brings it into the front court. He saw the trap coming, and, and I think sort of like a deer in headlights, just panicked a little bit and dribbled into the corner, which is exactly what the Carolina defense wants you to do. And as he pivot, he calls timeout. Weber brings it into the front court. They have no timeouts remaining. Oh, he causes he too many timeouts. That's a technical foul. He called a timeout. Michigan doesn't yes. have any. He takes a timeout. Technical They're foul. out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeouts. Two shots in possession of the ball. I was walking towards Chris. Like, what happened? And then I heard Jalen say, uh, he called timeout, and we don't have any left. And so it'll be a technical foul, North Carolina shooting, and the ball. A huge mental mistake. While he's bending over, I got my hand on his chest, on his heart, holding him up. And I could feel his weight leaning on me. gravity of that moment will make you just fall over. I love that. The gravity of the moment would just make you fall over. And I, I think Chris Weber in that moment just could feel, I bet, the weight of his decision. Well, not even decision, but lack of discipline and listening. And it cost his team the championship. And I think, too, you know, when it comes to not listening, it can, it can 
cost you not just a championship, but it can cost you a lot. Um, it could cost you relationships. You know, I've come across couples um, who've gotten divorces, and the root of it is because of not listening. Or I've talked to kids who, you know, have resentment towards their parents, maybe for their parents not listening to them. Or, you know, I've, friends have turned away from friends for not listening. I came across this article um, this week in my reading, too, about this um, airplane and this um, pilot, he landed at the small airport, and they were really backed up. And this pilot, he wanted to stay on schedule so much that he just decided, I'm just going to take off. And he didn't listen to the tower, and he just decided to do that. And he ended up colliding with another airplane, and it, it caused a major crash because of his decision to not be disciplined and listen to the tower. And, you know, the Bible talks about this, how... Lack of listening can cost you so much. It can cost you relationships. It can cost you your life. But more importantly, it can cost you your soul. In fact, the gospel talks about how we need, or the Bible talks about how we need to listen to this thing called the Word of God. And what the Word of God is, it's the gospel. It's the message of Jesus. And the gospel is simply this, that Jesus is king, that he saved people from their sins, and he's bringing us into relationship with him. He's making us new. He's reigning in our hearts. And this message of the gospel is hard for us, for those in the world to accept. And Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York, talks about how the gospel is a story of a king who came down from heaven and triumphed by being tortured and killed. And his followers gain their life by losing it, become rich by giving away, seek humility, not glory, and put their hope in God over the message of the world. This is a hard truth, and as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have to continue to listen to God through reading his word, getting to know his character, through growing with other Christians and, and growing in community, and then seeking God in every decision through prayer every single day. And we need to listen, but the Bible talks about we can't just listen, we have to respond. We have to respond to God's word as well. In fact, in the book of James, um, Jesus' brother talks about how we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And he says, otherwise you're deceiving yourself. For anyone who hears the word but does not carry it out is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after observing it himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And so we need to be doers of the word, not just hearers. We need to respond to God. And the Bible talks about how when people hear from God and respond to him, it's like a seed. It's like a seed being planted in the ground. It starts really, really small, but it grows to being a strong, fruitful tree. And this is, this is the message of the gospel, that we get to impact the world through our lives, that God gets to use you, and we're hoping for the day when he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death will be no more. And we can tr trust in him every step of the way for that future to come. Now, if you're here, and you're in this room, and you're hearing this message, um, and you're saying, man, I don't see this. How come I don't see this? And maybe you don't identify as a Christian, and maybe you've seen other Christians, and you're like, man, I don't see this in them. Or maybe you're, you are a Christian, but maybe you haven't seen this life change happen in your own life. Um, and I would say in response to that, that um, one, it is happening, you just may not see it. But two, I do think one thing is true, that many Christians aren't actually living out this principle of hearing from God and responding to God. They're not living it out. And I, I think... 
you know, we live in America, cultural Christianity, and where, you know, people, you know, maybe grew up going to Bible camp or going to church or at least being a part of church, and we identify as Christians, but so often in America, it's hard to really be followers of Jesus in every aspect of your life. We're seeking comfort, but not the cross. Um, and I think this is, this is a problem. I had a friend who actually um, a few years ago was getting baptized, and um, he just said when he was getting baptized, he said his story, and he said his mom always told him, oh, just, just tell people if they ask you what your faith is, just say you're Christian. But he was like, I didn't actually live that out. And so this message today, you know, will hopefully help us understand how do we live out our faith? How do we actually live out being Christians in every aspect of our lives? And what does that look like? And I think the big idea and the root of our message is this, that a Christian life is all about hearing from God and responding to him. And this is the message of this morning. And so um, we'll learn through this passage how we can do that as well. And so if you turn in your Bibles, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, um, verses 4 through 15 will be the parable of the sower. So I'll give you a second to turn there. There's some uh, Bibles um, around you, and also you can open up your phone for the H2O app too. So Luke chapter 8. And also it'll be on the screen too. So uh, starting in verse 5, it says this. A sower, which is a worker or farmer, went out to sow his seed. Some fell on the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell on the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. So in this passage, Jesus shares this parable, and then he basically walks away, and his disciples go up to him and say, hey, what are you talking about, Jesus? What does this mean? <laughs> um, like they would often do. And Jesus began to explain to them the parable and broke it down um, for us too. And so, and I think when you step back, there's really three elements to this parable. There's a seed, um, and Jesus talks about how the seed is the word of God. This is the message of the gospel. There's soil, and what the soil is, is this. It, the soil represents the condition of our hearts and how we receive the gospel. And so there's the path, which represents the hard heart. There's the rocks, which represent a shallow heart. There's the thorns, which represent a divided heart. And then there's the good soil, which represents an open heart. And really, there's three, three warnings that Jesus is pointing out that can lead us away from having a good soil, good heart, open heart. And the, the goal is to grow to have good soil. And then finally, there's the sower, which we'll get to at the end. So first, we'll talk about the different soils and what they represent. And so um, first is the path. And if you want to look in verse 12, the path, this represents hard hearts. And Jesus says this in verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard the word. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So this means that these are people who hear the word, but their hearts are hard. They don't receive the seed. Um, and the birds come, the devil comes and takes away the word. And so the message here is beware of listening 
with a hard heart. So the message here is beware of listening to God with a hard heart. And so people are in this spot because they're listening to the gospel. Maybe they hear the gospel, maybe they come to church, and they can't intellectually believe it in their hearts. They're not interested, they don't care, or they hate it. And there are some in the world, and maybe some in this room, who maybe have that hard heart towards Christianity. Maybe in your studies, you've came to a place where you're like, oh, I can't possibly believe in Christianity because of this, this, and this. Or maybe, um, maybe you've seen Christians act as hypocrites and feel like, man, I can't be associated with those people. Or maybe somebody's used the Bible to make you feel dumb, and you felt really judged and hurt by that, and you didn't want anything to do with that. And I'm really sorry. But what I know is true is that this gospel is life-changing, that it should cause us to have love and it should change our lives. Um, when I think of this, uh, this principle of living with an open heart, um, I think of the story of C.S. Lewis. Um, I know many of you have read C.S. Lewis in this room. C.S. Lewis, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia books. Um, and C.S. Lewis uh, was actually a really hard-nosed atheist. He did not like Christianity. In fact, a part of his um, bio, he said that he believed that there is no God and I hate him. Very, very interesting. There is no God and I hate him. And um, he, in his studies, he was a professor at Oxford, and he was an English professor, and he would read poetry. And he began to notice, he began to be drawn towards poetry that was written by Christians, and they would write about their love of God. And that just really blew him away. And he was like, man, I've never seen a love like this. I've never seen this before. I can't understand why they feel this love for God, some, something I don't believe at all. But that really began opening his eyes. And then he began developing a friendship with some other professors on campus. One of them was J.R.R. Tolkien of Lord of the Rings. If you didn't know that, it's pretty cool. Um, and they, Lewis would ask uh, Tolkien and other professors questions, and he would go to them and say, hey, what about this? I have a problem with Christianity because of this. And they would answer every single question he had. And he came to a place where one day he was on a bus and he was reflecting all of this, and he decided, okay, I'm going to soften my heart. I'm going to open myself up to whatever this is, and I'm going to start really seeking out this faith. Um, and he ended up becoming a Christian. He ended up giving his life to Christ because of the answers and because of the life change in his heart. And Lewis talked about this idea of joy, that true joy comes through enjoying God. And he came to this place where he wrote somewhere else that Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Basically saying that, hey, if this, is, if this really is what it says it is, then it's important, and I need to look into it to see if it is true. Because if it is true, it really is important. If it's not true, then it's not at all. And he went to that place of really seeking it out. And for you, if you're in this room and you're in this spot, um, I would say it's no coincidence that you're here. I don't think it's an accident that God has brought you here. And so my challenge to you is this. Why not take the next step? Why not take the next step and ask a friend who's a believer some real hard questions? Talk to me, talk to Brian, talk to other people in our church, and we would love to talk with you about this. But I think we need to get, get to a place where we soften our hearts and open up our minds 
to, the, to this message and what it could mean for you and for your life. And so we need to open up our minds. So that's the first thing is the path, which is the hard hearts moving on. Uh, the second thing Jesus talks about is the rock, which is shallow hearts. So verse 13 says this, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, um, but these have no roots. And they believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. So these are seed that fall among the rocks. They have no root. I keep thinking um, of like a tree that has no roots. It grows really high, and when storms come, it just falls over to the ground. This is what this particular soil is talking about. And the message here is this, that beware of listening with a shallow heart. And so people in this place um, follow until it becomes inconvenient. They have no depth. They give up when things are too hard. And I think it's true that sometimes, you know, people become Christians because, hey, maybe, you know, the music was great that day. Or, you know, the speaker was speaking clearly. And, I, and you walk down the aisle and you receive whatever the message was. And you say, hey, I want to do this. But it doesn't last. This is this type of soil. And Tim Keller, he says that when people um, come to Christ in this situation, they really want Christ to enter into their kingdom rather than entering into Christ's kingdom. And they're looking for someone to serve them and meet their needs. And as soon as that's not met, they're done. They're sufferers in need of a relief rather than sinners in need of a savior. And I think when, you're, when you come to Jesus and you're a Christian, you understand that you're a sinner, that you need forgiveness from Jesus and that you need his healing love in your life. We're sinners in need of a Savior. We're, we are humbly needing him each and every step of the way. And this particular soil, you know, really breaks my heart. You know, I've, I've come across this so often, just being a part of um, ministry for going on nine years now, and I've just seen so many friends of mine come to f- faith, and then a few months later, they're, they don't want anything to do with it. And it just breaks my heart. I'm sure it's broken your heart, too. Um, I had a friend who came to the United States. He went to BG, started studying here, and um, the country he came from believed in a polytheistic religion, many different gods, and he came to BG, and he got involved in H2O, and he started coming, and he was really touched by this uh, message of the gospel and this message of Jesus, and he um, decided, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. And when he began talking to us, we, we made it clear, hey, by following Jesus, it's denying these other gods, because Jesus, we believe Jesus is the one true and only God, um, and that by following him, you're giving your life to him. And he said, okay, I want to do that. And so he gave his life to Christ and said, I want to follow Jesus only. Um, and after that, um, we, were, we were really encouraged and really excited, but six months to um, a year later, he got a phone call from someone from back home. And this person said to them that um, your mother, he said, your mother is sick. And he was like, oh man, just really heartbroken about it. Um, but then this person said, the reason she's sick is because you denied these other gods and started serving Jesus. And so that, that hurt him, and he came to a place where he said, I'm done with Jesus, I'm going to go back to my old ways. And he started following his other religion. 
And I think this is sad. And again, this, this isn't just something that can happen if you come from another country. I think this is something that can happen in America, too, that we can um, live in this cultural Christianity and live in, you know, one foot in the world, one foot out, and this isn't good. This isn't good. We need to grow deeper roots. We need to allow this gospel to grow deep into your emotions so we can grow deep roots and not be lukewarm anymore. And so we need to do this. We need to open up our hearts. And, you know, if you're in this spot, I would challenge you to really make your decision. Actually, like, don't stand one foot in, one foot out anymore. Actually make a decision on what you believe about Jesus and actually engage in that. Open up your emotions. So that's the second one. Um, The third one is thorns. This is a divided heart, and this is in verse 14. Verse 14 says, And for those uh, that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So people in this situation, they hear the word, but they're choked by the, the world. Um, and this, is, this message is, beware of listening with a divided heart. So um, for my whole life, whenever I read this passage, I always assumed that this was talking about three unbelievers and then one believer, that three unbelieving paths, three non-Christian paths, and then one Christian route. Um, And about six months ago or so, I was reading this book, and it was talking about this parable, and it talked about how actually that isn't true, that this particular soil is actually talking about Christians. And and I went back to the passage because I was like, I can't believe that, Um, and and I, was, I, was, I saw that it was true. It talked about how these people, they hear the word, they grow, they develop roots. They even produce fruit, but the, the world, the thorns begin to choke them, and they don't ever mature. Their fruit doesn't ever mature. This is talking about Christians. And maybe these, you know, in this situation that we've allowed distraction um, to surround our lives, maybe their sin in these Christian lives, whether it's sexual morality or drunkenness or whatever, and it's led to grieving of the Holy Spirit, and they're not growing. They're aware of their sin, but they're not doing anything about it, and they're not making their walk with God a priority. They're not spending time in their Bible. They're not worshiping. They're not spending time with other Christians, and they're in this spot where the thorns are around them. It's encapsulating them. And this is sad, and, and, I, and I can be honest, this has been me. This has been my story for sure. Um, you know, I grew up going to church, going to Bible camps, and um, different Christian experiences. Um, and end of high school, coming to college, I had, you know, I was a Christian, but I was also living um, for the world too. And I was um, going to H2O on Sunday, but I was also drinking with my friends. Um, and I was just like, I, I got no problem with this. And I met a friend at H2O who began discipling me, inviting me to a small group in Bible studies. And I said to him one day, we were sitting in grounds for thought, I said, it's interesting how um, we as human beings can act differently around certain groups of people, depending on the situation. And he said, well, you know, man, I don't know if that's true, because if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be the same around everybody, where your life should reflect Christ in every area of your life. And I was like, crap. <laughs> Dang it. Um, it was one of those wake-up calls for me, and I began to see, man, I am a phony. I'm a hypocrite. And I, and I think 
it, it began to change my heart, that message, and I just began to open up my life and said, hey, God, help me. Help me out of this. Help me to begin to really serve you in every area of my life and give every area of my life to you. And I saw him really move. And I, of course, you know, we still struggle with sin. You know, just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you will never struggle with sin again. However, um, that's not an excuse either. Just because we struggle with sin doesn't mean we should give up fighting our sin. Christ has promised us the abundant life. Um, it promised us life and life more abundantly. And the abundant life isn't that you continue in your sin. It's that you're set free from it and that you begin to live and follow Jesus. The Bible talks about how we need to resist the devil and he will flee. And he can do, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And that's not because of our strength. It's because Jesus can give us the strength to overcome any temptation as we trust in him day after day. This is the message of the gospel, and we can't live in this anymore. And it's too often where people look at Christians and say, man, you're not actually living out what you believe. Why would I ever believe that too? We have, we have to embrace this, guys. We have to change, and we have to trust in Jesus. We have to get out of this. We have to obey. And by obeying, we lead into, we become good soil. We become fruitful. And that's what leads into verse 15. Jesus talks about the good soil and what that looks like. And he says this um, in verse 15. As for that, in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold fast to it in honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. And in other passage, it says they grew yield to a hundredfold. So how did these people get here? Well, you listen, and then you hold on to the word, and then you begin to bear fruit. And bearing fruit is evidence of this, and it takes time. You know, it's not just like Jack and the beanstalk, you know, if you remember that story where Jack, he gets a bunch of beans, he puts it in the ground, and then all of a sudden the next day this huge beanstalk grows. You know, I think often we want that quick fix in our Christian walk where I can just, here, I'm done, I'm, I'm made new, I'm this big giant tree, when really, you know, if you've ever done gardening or planting of any kind, it takes time. It takes a lot a lot of time and work. Even Jesus says it takes to bearing fruit with patience. And if we do this, we begin to see God really move. You will never know the impact of your fruitfulness. You know, Brian, he started talking about the H2O network when he came up here and, and brought Chad, which excited that Chad was visiting us today. Um, and when I think about our church, um, I'm blown away by the fruitfulness of people who've been a part of our church and just have been faithful. You know, our church was started 35 years ago just by a couple of guys who might have gotten off a bus. I don't know what the whole story is, but just two guys who came up here from Columbus and just said, God, would you do something here? And 30 years later, 10, 20 church plants later, many different pastors and leaders risen up and come out of this church and fruit that they probably never expected would have happened. Because of faithfulness, you have no idea what kind of fruit you can produce just by being faithful to God's word and hearing from him and responding to him. This is the message of the gospel, and this is a message that you can receive as well. And here's the thing, too. When we, think, when we step back to, you know, when we look at the soil, you know, what's, what's responsible for cleaning up, you know, the thorns, the weeds, the rocks, What's responsible? It's not the soil, it's the gardener that's responsible for that. 
Jesus is the sower. He's the one who cleans you up. All that the soil can do is just receive the seed. And so by trusting in the gardener, he'll clean you up. He'll put you in good soil. He'll put you in deeper soil. He'll clean the thorns, weeds, rocks in your life. And he that began a good work in you will complete it. Um, And we can trust in that truth. And so the challenge today is open up your mind, deepen your emotion, and seek to obey this truth and what God has prepared and planned for your life. Trust in the gardener. And so as we close, um, I want to get a graphic up um, I didn't draw this, but it looks pretty cool. Um, but here's a summary of our parable today. Of, you know, the, the path, the rocks, the thorns, and then the good soil. Look at this for a second. I want you to really think about where are you at today? Where are you at? And the goal isn't just to move to the next step. It's not to move from um, the path to the rocks. The goal's ultimately to move to good soil. And how can you move to good soil in your life? And my challenge uh, to you is this, as we go, is, is these three things. Number one, I would challenge you to trust the sower. Trust the sower. Trust in Jesus um, that he will heal you and, and help you. Second is listen and respond to him. This is the heart of this message, is listening, receiving the seed, and then responding to it. And then finally, get around other good soil. You know, I think it's interesting how fruit and trees, they all grow around really strong together, um, around other good soil and other good trees. We need that as Christians. That's why we come to church. That's why we are part of small groups. It's because we need help from each other to help grow closer to Jesus. And so in order to become good soil, I would recommend doing these things and really seek God's help and direction. And so with that, guys, we're going to close, and um, I'm going to pray as the band comes up.